Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. What I was going to talk to you about this morning is about a guy called Caleb. Do you remember Caleb? Yeah. Caleb was a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Do you remember, he pops on the scene when the 12 spies are going in to check out the promised land. Moses, he sends 12 guys, he says, go and have a look, come back with a report. So they come back and they say, it's true. This is a land flowing with milk and money. We've got the fruit to prove it. Okay. Ten of them say, but they're giants in the land. Paul, this is terrible. We're going to die. And they spread a viral report about how terrible the giants are, how high the walls are, all the obstacles, all the reasons why they shouldn't. Caleb, he silences the people. You'll find this in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. We can certainly do it. That's amazing. How come Caleb had so much confidence that they could go and take the land? Ten of them came back and said, we can't do this. Joshua and Caleb, two of them, they stood up And they prove that the majority is not always right. Ooh, all you lovers of democracy. Mm, The majority is not always right. They stood up and they said, hey, we can do this. The people, all that night, beginning of uh, chapter 14 in Numbers, They moaned and groaned and they wailed and, oh, we're going to die. You know, there weren't enough graves in Egypt. That's why we brought it here. And they all discussed stoning Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. And then the guys kind of fall before the Lord and they tear their robes and they they plead with the people. And you find this in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 6. Then Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us Do not be afraid of them. Just a reference for you there. That was Numbers 14, verses 6 through 9. God's with us. Don't be afraid of them. We're going to be okay. We're going to win. How could Caleb be so sure? Hmm? You see, back in the day, There was a guy called Abraham. He believed God, was credited to him as righteousness, the book of Hebrews tells us. 
And he had an encounter with God, and God said, everywhere where your feet tread, I'm going to give you the land. And as for you and for your descendants, this is the prophetic word that he got. And then the Lord begins to fulfill that prophetic word, and he has a son, Isaac. It's kind of like, hang on, wait a minute. Wasn't the prophetic word, go and count the stars if you can? So will your descendants be. Prophetic word fulfilled? Just Isaac. Wow. But it continues from generation to generation because God shows up to Isaac and he says, Hey, Isaac, everywhere where you tread, I'll give you the land. So Isaac goes stomping around and doing all sorts of amazing things. And he has a son called Jacob. Now, we don't talk about the other one. It's a little Esau to talk about. <laughs> Jacob, he has the same encounter. Everywhere where you tread, I'll give it to you and to your descendants. And Jacob, he has 12 sons. One of them is a guy called Joseph. And Joseph is a real brat. He's a precocious brat. And he starts bragging to the rest of the brothers. Hey, I'm so important. One day you're going to bow down to me. And of course, the brothers, many of them were older than him. They're kind of like, who do you think you are? Don't you know the inheritance rights and laws? The elders get it, not you, you little runt. And they get so mad, they throw him down a pit. They were going to kill him. Then they decide, okay, let's rather make some money out of this deal. And they sell him off. And he gets sold to the Midianites, and the Midianites trade him, take him down to Egypt. Gets reunited with his 11 brothers later on. And he says, guys, you might have meant this for harm, for evil. But God has turned it around and caused it to become good. And this will be for the salvation of many. Isn't that the most phenomenal thing? Come on, think about this. God... Allowed a drought, a famine, to affect nations, cause nations to be humbled on their knees, which caused Jacob to send his sons down to Egypt so that they could be a part of what God had in store for them. Come on now. You see, mostly we get into this whole Christianese kind of thing where we think God can only work when circumstances are favorable. Because we don't think that we're strong enough that God could actually be at work when things are tough. Ooh. So we only want everything to go well all of the time because then it shows that God's with us and he's working. God's hand is shown very powerfully 
in opposite circumstances when things are not going well. And God's ways and plans are way bigger than ours. And so Jacob goes, reunites with Joseph. The brothers are there. They go to Goshen and they are ostracized. They look down upon because they keep herds and flocks. They start to multiply. The prophetic word begins to take shape. Another Pharaoh comes, doesn't know the previous blessing that these people were to his own nation. Xenophobia breaks out and they start to enslave the foreigners. But God was in it because remember that guy Abraham? God gave him the prophetic word then already. Listen, future generations, they'll go to a foreign land and they will be enslaved for 400 years. Kind of like they stepped right into a prophetic word of slavery. Come on. Makes us stop and think like we only want everything to be comfortable all of the time as though God can only be God when everything is hunky-dory. Now, I'm not a prophet of doom. I want to be someone to encourage you. But I want to encourage you that even if things are going badly, it doesn't mean that God has left you. Do not come to the incorrect conclusion. Oh, God's not with him, with me. He's, you know, like, oh, forget this God thing. I'm just going to go and do my own thing. How many Christians do you know because God didn't do what they wanted him to do. They said, you see, God's not real. Oh, unfortunately, they were told a wrong gospel. You see, we know our faith is in God no matter what. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. The fiery furnace. Listen. Listen, Neb. That same Neb, Nebuchadnezzar, had the vision, the kingdom of God, spoke about it last week. That same Neb, Neb did some crazy things, built this massive big statue of himself. Here we go, statues again. And he said, listen everybody, bow down and worship me. The rulers think they're like God. It's amazing, it's just happened over and over and over again. Like that beast called Nero. Like the beast called Nero. Who built a massive big statue. 70 feet tall statue of himself. And wanted people to worship him as God. It's a bit of revelation for you there. By the way. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Neb, our God can save us from your fire. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. You know what? There was a possibility that God was not going to save them. But their faith did not rely on God saving them. 
their faith relied on God being God. Somebody was asking me, this whole thing with Ukraine, how can we pray for them? How on earth is it possible that God could be there in the middle of war? I mean, wouldn't it be strange for us to be praying, God, be with them? Because bombs are going off all over the place. People are dying. Like, is this congruent or not? Well, let's stop and think about it for a moment. Who is the real you? This tent? This body? Is this tent the real you? Is this tent going to live forever? No. So don't worry about anyone who can harm the tent. Worry about the one who watches over your soul. That's the real you. And if he hides and shields us, even if our body is given up in the flames, but he protects and shields the real you, surely that's the thing that we need to be concerned with because that's the thing of eternity. Hmm, okay. So, Joseph, he's heard the stories from Abram to Isaac to Jacob, now to him. So the people have come into Egypt now, and he says, Guys, I know the prophetic word. Revival is on its way. One day, God will surely come to your aid. Remember that? Okay. There was a message from December. God will surely come to your aid. Don't worry, guys. I've got another three hours and we'll be done. And we can all go home. Okay. okay. God will surely come to your aid. So I tell you what you want what I want you to do. I want you to take my bones with you when you go. Because why? The prophetic word that Abram had was your descendants will be enslaved, they'll go to a foreign nation, they'll be enslaved for four hundred years, and then I'll set them free. So Joseph knew one day God will surely come to your aid, you will go free, and then you will inherit the promised land. So guys. Put my bones on the mantelpiece and let my bones prophesy one day you're going free. And from generation to generation, it's kind of like, oh, it's a little creepy in this house. You know, we've got bones on the mantelpiece. You know, Grandpa, what are they there for? Oh, my great, 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 great Grandpa. Uncle Joe. He said we must keep his bones because one day we will go free. Tell, us, tell me the story. Well, you see, there was Abram and there was Isaac and there was, was told from generation to generation. So by the time you get to a guy called Caleb, he knows because he can count. Listen, 400 years are gone plus some. What God spoke to Abram is now coming true in our lifetime. Yeah. 
So when Mo said, listen, Gokes, go for a little picnic, walk around the land for 40 days, come back with a report, Caleb is just kind of like, man, I'm going to get my feet on as much ground as possible because I know it's coming to me and my kids. So he went like, I think I love the view from up there. I'm going to the hill country. And there are giants up there. Must be something special for giants to want to be there. I'm going to go up there too. And he's excited. Because why? There was a prophetic word. He comes down. And he's surrounded by a swarm of grasshoppers. Walking on two legs, I tell you. We can't go. We can't do it. We don't believe the prophetic word. We're too useless. There's too much opposition. The walls are too high. The giants are too big. The land, have you heard? The land devours those who are living in it. Right, so who's living in it right now and how come they're not devoured? Ah, fake news. Grasshopper thinking, but not Caleb. He's walking around and he knows there's a prophetic word. Everything does not look like it's happening, but he believes it. It's going to come. God has said. Unfortunately, the majority did not believe. So God comes down and he says, right, let's do away with them. Start again, Mo. Moses says, whoa, God, let's not do that. Because the nations around about will say, this God, the powerful one, he was only strong enough to take them out of Egypt, but now he's run out of power and he won't be able to take them in. And that's why he killed him. God says, all right. No, I'll forgive them. Because Moses said, please, Lord, forgive. So God says, I'll forgive them. But their own words are going to chew them. They said, you brought us out to the wilderness to die? Write your own words. You prophesied to yourself. Yep. You will drop down in the wilderness. Careful what we say. Because we can prophesy. Not God's intention. But we can join with the other one. Oh. And God says, hey, I've got this guy, Caleb. He's a man of a different spirit. That was uh, Numbers 14 and verse 24. You'll see, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and he follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Come on, what's God saying? His descendants will inherit it. That sounds like a repeat of another prophetic word. 
Abram, your descendants will inherit it. Caleb, your descendants will inherit it. We're seeing the continuation of prophetic words from one generation to the next. Isn't that awesome? In Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 36, it says, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Can you understand where he put his feet? He's walking in the footsteps. He's walking in the same thing. Abram, oh yeah, I wonder if Isaac was here. Isaac must have been here. Jacob, oh yes, Jacob. He's putting his feet and he's claiming it and he's saying, this is going to be ours. And he knows. But a generation gets wiped out. But hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, there comes a time in Joshua chapter 14. So what's happened in the interim is they wandered around for 40 years. The last of that generation dies off. And the Lord says to Joshua, right, but let's go now. Joshua, he sends two spies now because he's learned. If you send 12, only two will come back with a good report. So he just sends two now. Just two positive ones. Just eliminate the bad 10. And they come back and they say, yep. As, as the report from 40 years ago, still there. Okay. Joshua says, let's go, guys. And they go in and they go and take the land. What was theirs, the opportunity 40 years ago, they now step into. The next generation says, all right, we believe the prophetic words. Still got Joseph's bones with them. Still prophesying to them. We're going in. So Caleb and Joshua are the only two from that earlier generation. And they go. And Caleb goes to war. He's now 80. And he says, come on chaps, I've been in the gym, look at me. Let's go. I know how to do this thing. And he fights alongside the soldiers for five years, fighting for five years, working with all the other tribes, getting their allotment. And after five years, we get to Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. Oh my goodness. My convictions. He so believed what God said, it became a conviction for him. See, what the Lord has said about you and your family, what he said about this nation, it can be a conviction or it can just be a nice, wafty, sort of cuddly thought. We need to have convictions that God has said, I'm with you, I'm for you, 
I'm going to pour out my spirit. There will be revival. I'm not done with Africa. I'm not done with South Africa. Conviction that this is going to be a sheep nation, not a goat nation. A conviction that God has said, I give to you the treasures that are hidden in the depths, in the deep dark places. That there's more under our feet that is yet to be discovered. And I mean, we know that the prophetic word has got validity to it. Validity. Because we know that there's more gold under our feet here around Joyburg than all the gold they've extracted in the last hundred years. There's still more gold left underground. This is phenomenal. We're not a poor nation. Don't worry about what's gone elsewhere. We've got resource under our feet. Yay! And we've got minerals that we haven't yet invented the use for these minerals that are going to cause the value to skyrocket. Inventions are still coming for minerals that are under our feet. And God put them there when he made the planet because he loves us. He says, you are oaks of righteousness. He loves this land. Caleb, according to my convictions, verse 8, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. It's time to begin my ministry. I'm 85 years old and I'm just about ready to begin. Come on. Come on. Let's not be wimps, man. This retirement age thing? Nothing less than 85, eh? Come on. Listen, if we're living to 120, don't retire too soon. Come on, there are things to do, man. Let's keep going. Not so, Uncle Bill? Exactly. Still working. Yay. Come on. Trust the Lord. Give us strength. Give us energy. That we might step into the very things that he promised us that we would experience. Can I have a couple of extra minutes? That'd be all right. Okay, I think it'll be worth your while.
Verse 11. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man or the biggest of the giants amongst the Anakites. Then, then the land had rest from war. After who went and took out the giants? Caleb took out the giants. The Anakites were the giants. And he takes Hebron. He takes Hebron. Okay. God speaks generational words and promises. Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. No, 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 no. Caleb. Caleb is of the tribe of Judah. And he gives him Hebron. And he follows the Lord his God wholeheartedly. But that's not all. You see, we see in chapter 15, Joshua 15, verse 63. Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. And to this day, the Jebusites live there with the people of Judah. The city of Jebus. Fortified city, couldn't take it. But years later, there was another one of the tribe of Judah. And he rose up. He was made king after he killed a giant. I wonder who that could be. David. Of the tribe of Judah. He rises up and he kills a giant. And a while later they make him king. And he sets up in Hebron. Caleb. This inheritance is for you and your descendants, Hebron. And a guy sets up Hebron as his place to rule. His name is David. And he rules there for seven years. And then the tribes of Israel, they come to David and they say David we'll make you king over all of us and he says okay boys it's time and he goes off to the city of Jebus and he takes out the Jebusites and he says now we'll call this place Jerusalem the place of peace and it's known as the city of David and he rules from the city, Jeru 
Salem. You see, that Goliath came out there day after day taunting the people of God for 40 days. But hallelujah, somebody came, took off his head and became king, became king and ruled for 40 years. Are you seeing it? 40 days in the wilderness, the spies, boom, bad, out, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 years. With a bad report. Eventually it gets turned around. 40 days, Goliath, 40 years, the kingdom comes. But that's not all. Because one day, One rises up and he begins to roar. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The one they cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's done his 40 days in the wilderness. When the enemy tried his best and he didn't succumb. And then one day on the cross he says, it is finished. And he triumphed over the enemy of all enemies, the devil. He's won the victory for us. Now, it's not just this little piece of ground, but it's the whole earth. The whole earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Come on. Isn't it awesome? It's Caleb, he rises up. How about us? Can we rise up with conviction? All right. Would you rise with conviction? Thank you, Lord, that you are stirring our hearts to believe you, to trust the prophetic words that even if it takes decades 470 years even if you speak to us an individual word when we're 40 and we only begin to step into it when we're 85 the word is still fresh and as strong and as vigorous 40, 45 years later as it was when you first spoke it Thank you, Lord. Your word does not return to you powerless, empty, or void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. Thank you, Lord. Your words of power and promise over our nation, over the city, over us as a congregation, that you will pour out your spirit again in fresh ways, 
that we will see the glory of God. That you will cause us to be the head and not the tail. That you will watch over us to protect us and to provide for us, to keep us in peace. You are the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Lord. Every word that you have spoken will be fulfilled. And the enemy will be trampled under our feet. We thank you, Lord, that a confidence and a boldness and a conviction is being established in your people. No matter what happens with the rise and fall of nations, you're on the throne. Because we're in you, you cause us to be victorious as well. Hallelujah. So we give you praise. We give you thanks. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. amen. Yay! Come on, let's give a shout of praise.